It's true. It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. I'm also your host, Melanie, with two L's because the spelling of your name doesn't change from one week to the next. Welcome to episode 62 of This Blonde Can Talk About Anything. First things first, um, so there's been like two weeks-ish in between 61 and 62, and I've had a whole bunch of people asking me what was taking me so long to record the next episode of the podcast. So I would like to explain myself. Um, So I announced that the next episode would come sometime after the Buccaneers game. I didn't specify exactly how much time after the Buccaneers game, because if you listen to episode 61, then you know I had COVID. um, And I had it pretty bad, actually, when I was recording that episode, like to the point my eyes were like, pretty much shut. And I was recording this, you know, on, on, on zoom with, with Timothy V Murphy and I was really sick, but I, 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 you know, I worked my way through it for a number of reasons. Number one, I wanted to get an episode out early enough in the year. And Timothy is someone that I respect and admire so much. And so many people had requested for him to be on the show that when he finally carved out like a small piece of time to do it, I couldn't just be like, well, you know, I can't do it because I have COVID because Timothy and I had been trying to make this work for a while and he just managed to um, carve out some time while shooting uh, Law and Order. And again, I'm blanking on which which, um, Law and Order it is, but it's organized crime. There we go. Law and Order, organized crime, the one uh, that stars Christopher Maloney. And I, of course, will be letting everyone know uh, when his episodes will be airing so that you can check it out. But anyway, Timothy carved out a small brick, small block of time uh, in which we could record the episode. So COVID or no COVID, I was going to get that done. And I did. Unfortunately, after that, I was really going through it in terms of coughing, sneezing and doing <laughs> to the point that I thought that doing an episode would, I would have a coughing fit or a sneezing fit or something. And then it would just get ruined. And I didn't want anybody to have to listen to me coughing, sneezing, and doing that sound that I just did. By the way, I did it because I needed to. So if you hear it again throughout the episode, I am sorry. It turns out I am dealing with a few symptoms still, testing negative, which is great. But um, the doctor has informed me that I have something called long COVID, which means some of the symptoms may linger for a while hopefully not too long because it's exhausting so if you hear me making any sort of um like noises with my nose i apologize uh yeah you can blame you can blame or thank covid for that and that is why this episode took so long to get to get recorded moving on for those of you who have been listening to the show faithfully you may know that the show is now two years old which is so weird to me. I started in 2020, no, 2021. Um, You know, the pandemic was still really, really bad and I just wanted something to do. And so I started podcasting and actually played back episode one in which, of course, I was talking about football and the microphone that I had bought just to start out was really cute. It was really cute. It was pink and, and I was in love with it, except I didn't realize how horrible the sound was and that there was like these buttons on the side for echo and whatnot. And I didn't know what to do with them. So the first episode sounds terrible, absolutely terrible. 
I played it back. Anyway, as I said, I was talking about football and I will be talking about football this episode as well, except this time it's under a little bit uh, less happy conditions, if you will. So happy two years birthday to this um, one can talk about anything. Uh, for those of you who've been listening for a while, you know that I originally started doing this podcast uh, as produced by my friend, um, Simon of the Extra Features podcast. And about a year ago, I started uh, self-producing this whole thing. And it's actually been infinitely more successful under my own direction and just everything being done by me, which I'm very proud of. Now, you're probably sitting there and you're going, this podcast is two years old. How come you're not at 104 episodes? Well, (laughs) it's because I got sick uh, more than once. (laughs) I took mental health hiatuses more than once. I was working on stuff that was requiring all my attention more than once and had to sort of put the podcast on the back burner. As much as I love doing this podcast, sometimes it just isn't possible. But it is what it is. I'm proud of all 62 episodes, regardless of the um, the bad microphone quality in the beginning. Um, the episodes where, you know, I overtalked people, especially in the beginning, Tom Bergeron, I'm so sorry. Uh, and also the second coming of Tom Bergeron in which something malfunctioned on Zoom. And like most of the conversations did not get recorded. But as you know and heard, Tom Bergeron will be back eventually. Uh, I guess when we get to 104, <laughs> I might have him back sooner. We'll see. But um, I have a few things that I would like to talk about this week. So let's get into that. So if you know me, you know that for me, there are only three seasons, football season, award season, and summer. Of those three, for many, many years, summer was my favorite. And then football became my favorite. And this year, football season, for me, has come to an early end. In between football season and summer, there's this little thing called award season, which only lasts a few months, even less than football. Um, And it's one of my favorite times of the year. And I'm going to talk about it. But first of all, we're going to talk about football. (laughs) So I said this would come, you know, sometime after the Bucks game. And I kind of needed time to process that Bucks game, to be honest, because as you know, I have so much faith in Tom freaking Brady, who I just adore, who is like a hero to me. And I honestly, to this day, believe there is he is the best there ever was, the best there is, and the best there ever will be. So the idea that he could be kicked out in round one of the playoffs It just doesn't make sense to me. And it still doesn't make sense, even though it happened. Um, Of course, the Buccaneers got blown out by the Dallas Cowboys, which was so upsetting because the Dallas Cowboys are mostly known as the Dallas Cowgirls because of how terribly they play and how they haven't reached like a divisional final for not a divisional, a conference final for as long as I've been alive, like longer than I've been alive. So it's that bad. And so I didn't expect Tom Brady to go out like that. I also didn't expect the news media to blame Tom Brady and Tom Brady alone for the Buccaneers lost, lost, not lost, excuse my, I don't know what you would even call that mispronunciation. Anyway, (laughs) if you watch that game, then you know what I'm talking about. 
if you didn't watch that game, you get to hear me complain about it. So I watched the game from the first whistle kickoff uh, right up until the last whistle end of the game. And I watched Tom Brady at some points play, I think, in my opinion, some of the best football he's ever played. He was magnificent out there. I enjoyed every second of it. And I watched the remainder of the team drop the ball from start to finish. It's like they woke up in the last few minutes after Russell Gage um, fell. Well, didn't fall. He was injured. He, and it, it, he took a hit. And it was a, a terribly scary injury where the entire team was out there on the field. Just like they didn't know. I don't think they knew if he was getting up. I didn't know if he was getting up. And I was scared and I wasn't even there. So I can only imagine how those players, uh, including Tom, were feeling. After Russell's injury, the team sort of woke up and scored some points. But there was only like three minutes left in that game. So it didn't really matter. They needed much more than three minutes to get through that game. It was a devastating loss because it was a loss that I don't think they needed to take. Now, of course, once the game's over, you know, there's nothing you can do. So I was pretty pissed off at the way that game went down. Uh, I was sad to see Tom go out so early. Uh, I really did expect him to go to the Super Bowl. And I know some of you are going, well, he's old. Well, what do you mean you expected? I expected because I, when I believe in someone or something, I believe in it wholeheartedly right until the end. And I don't think we've seen the last of Tom Brady, but I'll get into that in a minute. Uh, I really thought that they could, especially because the, the last game, full game that Brady played, Chris Godwin and uh, Mike Evans seemed to be back in this uh, zone with him. Like they were just in sync and they played so well. And of course, the final game of the season, um, the coach pulled half of their team off. So like all the starters at the halfway mark, like not even the halfway mark. It was just the second quarter. And then the next game was that playoff game where Ryan Jensen was back. And I really thought that there was just a huge chance that we were going to make it you know, at least to the next round. And it just didn't happen. It was terribly, terrible play, just t- terrible gameplay by the majority of the team. And the coaches were just horrendous, which is probably why, um, one of the coaches has already been fired. Byron, I was going to say Brian, I don't know why. Byron Leftwich has already been fired from the team. And I think that says a lot. Some people are on the internet saying, you know, oh, it's because nobody can ever accept that Brady, you know, when he fails, they always have to blame someone else. There was a whole ass team to blame other than Brady, but everybody has to pin the blame on Brady. Why? Because when you're too good at something, people don't like it. And let's face it, he is too freaking good, period. There's no question in that. And of course, the game didn't go, as I said, how I wanted it. It didn't go how Tom wanted it. And that was reflected when he came off the field, because you could sort of see the way he exited the field. He was saying goodbye I don't think to the game of football, but I think to Tampa Bay for sure, because it looked eerily similar to when he left the New England Patriots just three years ago. I've seen it before. It looks like a man who is ready to move on from this team, but I don't think this is a man who is ready to move on from football. So for this reason, you now know that the team lost 
terribly that I don't think Brady was to blame. <laughs> and that's pretty much all the recapping that I can really do about this game because I'm not going to give you a play-by-play. If you follow me on Instagram, you've already seen the play-by-play in which I detail just about everything, and including my own anger and disappointment. Uh, and you know that Brett Maher, the kicker for uh, the Cowboys, managed to miss four extra points in a single game. I do not know how that's even possible, but I I forgot to mention that earlier. And now I just mentioned it. I still can't believe we lost to that team. I just can't believe it. And I say we, because I feel like I'm part of the team. I feel like I'm part of something special by feeling like I'm part of the team. And I'm never going to let anyone take that away from me. Because when Tom Brady is playing, I do not sit down. I get probably most of my cardio in during that time. So I'm just as big a part of the team as everyone else, except I'm just playing the armchair QB position, unfortunately. I couldn't play football if I wanted to or if my life depended on it. But I love watching it and pretending like I'm on the team. So anyway, as I said, I've totally recapped the game as much as I possibly can. And now I want to talk specifically about Tom Brady and what the future holds for Tom Brady. Now, of course, as far as what the future holds for Tom Brady, it's a question that nobody can really truly answer unless you happen to be Tom Brady, which I am not. Um, And post game, he did, you know, his regular presser and he said that he was not committed to giving a response at that time. And then he wanted to take some time and sort of, excuse me, sort of weigh the options of what, um, what has, you know, what he could do. And I don't think Tom Brady has actually made a decision when he says it's day to day. I think he's being sincere. He has a few really good options. Number one is the one that everybody else is speculating about and hoping for the one that I'm hoping against, which is of course, retirement, Should Tom decide to retire, um, he would be able to be in the broadcast booth, which is like the last thing I want anyway. (laughs) And he'd be making a significant amount of money, like hundreds of millions of dollars over a 10-year period on the Fox network because they really want him to be um, a gameplay analyst. Wow. (laughs) I'm a little loopy still. Sorry about that. So they want him to, you know, be a play caller. Well, he's a play caller now. They want him to be a play caller from the booth, okay? And I I understand that retirement and the broadcast deal are a possibility, but I think that they're an improbability. This is Tom Brady here we're talking about. It's not just any player. He came out of retirement for a reason because he didn't feel like he was ready to just kind of be written off yet. He didn't feel like he belonged in the stands. He felt like he still had something to contribute to the game. And I think if you watched him play, you would understand that he is still an elite player. He's still an elite player, and I don't think he's ready to hang it up just yet. So I don't think retirement slash the broadcast booth are really a viable option for Tom Brady at this point. So I'm just going to go about my life and pretend that that's not even a possibility that's that we're en- that he's entertaining. Of course, he won't hit free agency until March, and it is only going to be in March that he will be able to entertain other teams. Tom Brady retiring spells out a huge problem for the Buccaneers financially 
because they already owe him like 30 plus million dollars. But that's a horse of a different color. If he continues to play, it's still somewhat of a problem for the Bucks, but it's not as big of a problem because they could pay it over a period of time, which I don't know what the time frame looks like because I haven't dived into the the contract and all of that stuff. I, I don't care about it. How much a player makes really doesn't um, affect me in any way. So I don't really worry too much about that. The only reason I know that Tom is going to make, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars over 10 years if when not if when he goes to the broadcast booth is because he couldn't get away from that story of how much money he they had offered him so that's that's an option retirement broadcast booth is an option but again as i said it's not an option that i'm willing to entertain however i do not believe tom brady will return to tampa bay I think that that's entirely out of the question. I think he really said goodbye to the fans. Goodbye and thank you um, on the field. And I think some players are, you know, saying already that they think that he's saying bye-bye to Tampa Bay. And I can't really blame him because as much as I know he loved playing there and loved those teammates, it's just not a championship winning team. And again, this is Tom Brady, like the most elite of all elite quarterbacks. So, yeah, I don't think he's going back to Tampa Bay, but I don't think he's done. I don't know where he's going to play. There are a few options. Most people are sort of going towards uh, Las Vegas Raiders because, of course, um, one of his old coaches, Josh McDaniels, is over there. So that makes it sort of sweetens the deal. And they're only like an elite QB away from being a contending team. So I think this is a huge strong possibility for for Tom Brady. Of course, there are some people who are entertaining the idea that he might go back and play for New England and retire a Patriot, which would not be a disappointment to me. I was a, you know, Patriots fan for a long time and I just left with Tom. <laughs> I'm a traitor, guys. <laughs> oh, I'm such a bad person. Um but there, yeah, I don't see, I don't really see Tom going back to the Patriots, but it is something that people are entertaining. Uh, Devin McCourty saying, you know, if Tom comes out of retirement, I'll come out of retirement and play. Kind of begs the question, would Julian Edelman come out of retirement and play for the Pats for one more year? Would Gronk come out of retirement and play for the Pats one more year? We already know Danny Amendola has said, if Tom asks me to come out of retirement, I'm coming out of retirement. So that's a possibility. Not one that I would be disappointed in because it'd be like getting the band back together, one more Super Bowl, and then maybe Tom is done. I don't know. I can't say when or if Tom will be done, but I don't believe he's done this year. I think he's going to play one more year at the very least, and I think he's going to prove to you why he's called the greatest of all time. Gronk has also weighed in on this subject and said that he also does not believe Tom is done. And I believe Gronk. I've been pissed off at Gronk for a while for leaving Tom high and dry. Uh, I really felt like the team would have done better with Gronk on it. But Gronk has sustained so many injuries over his playing time that I understand that he doesn't want to um, to continue So, with his career. So, you know, I, I'm not angry with Gronk anymore because he's feeding me this hope and light by saying, no way, I don't think Tom Brady's done. Now, these two are best friends, so I feel like if he was done, he would have the best um, insight uh, at this point. So 
I'm hoping that I will not have to do another episode like the one I did last year (laughs) where I was just devastated and broken and crying because Tom had retired. I'm hoping that that episode is not on the horizon for at the very least another year, if not longer. But we'll have to wait until at the very least March to see what Tom uh, has decided. So let's talk about some other stuff that's going on in football right now as we get closer and closer to the Super Bowl. So I have a team that I'm rooting for, and that's the Cincinnati Bengals. And it's for no other reason than the fact that I think Joe Burrow is gorgeous. It's that it's that simple. It's not only gorgeous, he's a great QB, and I think he has some of that Tom Brady magic in him. And I saw it yesterday because yesterday was the, no, two, yeah, yesterday I watched it. So the Bengals played the Bills, and everybody had kind of all but written off Cincinnati, and they thought that the 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 final semifinal, if you will, would be um, Kansas City versus Buffalo. Buffalo choked against the Bengals yesterday. They just choked. I expected so much fire and so much passion coming from this team with um, the very unfortunate heart attack that uh, DeMar Hamlin suffered. I just thought that they would go out there and play really, really hard for him because nobody knows at this point if DeMar will ever be able to play football again. So this may have been his only chance at um, winning a Super Bowl ring, even though he wouldn't have played. It was a huge part of the season. But the Bills choked which is kind of funny to me because I had some friends who were like making fun of the fact that the Bucks wouldn't make playoffs this was in November and we did we made playoffs and we went out in the first round which I'm not proud of but they were like oh yeah we're totally gonna win the Super Bowl they don't even have a chance they're out they're not even going to the semifinal so that makes me feel really good because <laughs> again I'm a terrible horrible no good very bad person when it comes I'm very unsportsmanlike So I'm rooting for the Bengals next week against Kansas City. Kansas City is a great team. And Patrick Mahomes played through an injury, which is amazing and so inspiring to me. Um, And I wish him the best in his recovery. But I think Cincinnati, who played in the Super Bowl last year and lost to the Rams, I think that they are ready to go back to the Super Bowl and hopefully win it. I mean, there's never any guarantee that you're going to win a Super Bowl, but I really think they have such a strong team. Uh, they're really they know their strengths. They play to them, and I'm just really excited for Cincinnati and uh, Joe Burrow at this point. I'm excited to watch them become a much better team than they 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 were. I mean, it's it's amazing to watch, you know a person or or a team progress and thrive in that way. So now you know um, my AFC championship um, pick is the underdog Cincinnati Bengals. Good luck to the Chiefs. Um, They're expected to win, but sometimes miracles happen and uh, expected winners don't win. And we can talk about that a little bit later. (laughs) So the Cowboys are out. I just want to thank Brock Purdy and the 49ers for not playing great, but playing well enough to send the Cowboys packing. So all the Cowboys fans who are out there saying, oh, Dak eliminated Tom Brady, which is hilarious because I didn't know that an entire team came down to Dak Prescott and Tom Brady, but whatever. 
so like na 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 like Brock Purdy, a rookie who hasn't even played uh, 10 games in the NFL, just put Dak away. So I'm super happy and excited about that. Dak needed to win that game to seal his legacy, and it did not happen for him, which sucks. But um, I don't really care because he took out my team prematurely. And that's what you get when you when you do nasty things like that. So I think despite beating the Cowboys, I think the 49ers are cooked, unfortunately. Um, they have to play the Eagles who have been red hot all season. And I think they're cooked. I think they're done after the championship game. They're not going to play in the Super Bowl, in my opinion. And if they did, I don't think they can beat Cincinnati and I don't think they can beat Kansas City. So I just think their goose is cooked. Um, I think the the story of Brock Purdy just kind of coming in after, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo sustained an injury, coming in as a rookie and just kind of like turning out bangers of games or four games rather is incredible. It's super cool and it's inspiring for, you know, for me. Uh, and it should be for you too, because what he's done is pretty amazing. But I do not think this team is strong enough to beat the Eagles. And I don't think they would have been, even with a healthy Jimmy Garoppolo and uh, Christian McCaffrey, which is some incredible players on this team. But it's just not enough, I don't think, to put away the Eagles. Now, if I'm wrong and we get Eagles, sorry, if we if I'm wrong and the Eagles get eliminated and we get you know, Bengals, 49ers, I'm going to have quite the conundrum about who to cheer for because I know the 49ers are Tom Brady's um, favorite team and one of the teams that he may even play for next season, rumored anyway. And But I really like this Joe Burrow character. I think he's really cool. So it's going to be difficult. But I, I do I do think that the 49ers are cooked and that's fine because having somebody like Brock Purdy, who I don't think is quite ready just yet to lead a team, potentially be the backup for, you know, Tom Brady next year, that makes me really happy. And I think maybe not winning uh in the in the championship round means there's more possibility that they would need somebody like Brady to bring them to the Super Bowl maybe next season. But at the end of the day, my prediction for the Super Bowl is Bengals Eagles. I'm not pre- I'm not predicting a winner. I'm just predicting who I think is going to be playing in the game and you're going to have to or I'm going to have to watch uh the next round and get back to you about who wins it to see if this prediction is correct. Hopefully it is. So I have to circle back to Tom Brady really quickly here because he has a film coming out on February 3rd, which I'm so excited to see. It's called 80 for Brady and it's based on a true story and it's incredibly stacked. Like the cast is incredibly stacked. It stars Jane Fonda, Ruta Moreno, Lenny, Lily Tomlin and Sally Field. Like it doesn't get better. It just doesn't get better than these four insanely talented legends. So if you didn't know about 80 for Brady and you're just finding out about it now, get tickets. You want to see it. It is the Super Bowl for all Brady fans this year because we don't have any real vested interest in the Super Bowl. So on February 3rd, like nine days before the actual Super Bowl, 
Brady fans everywhere will have their Super Bowl in 80 for Brady. And I think what I'm most excited for in 80 for Brady is that Julian Edelman, Gronk, and Danny Mandola all, you know, come back and get on the field with Tom to recreate Super Bowl 51. And I think it's just going to be so cool to see those four guys just on screen together and interacting again because we haven't seen it uh, for at least three years now. But Danny wasn't playing when Tom left uh, New England. Danny was gone to another team. Gronk had retired for the first time. So we only had Julian Edelman at the time. And so I think it's really, it's an exciting film to see. And I hope everybody goes out and sees it because I love, I love Tom Brady and I love those actresses. And I think it's going to be a beautiful film. Even the soundtrack is stacked with legends. Like the main theme song for this movie is um, Dolly Parton, Cindy Lauper, uh, Belinda Carlisle, Debbie Harry, and Gloria Estefan. So there's literally something for everyone. And it's a great song. I loved it. I loved hearing it. So that is all about football and Tom Brady for now. I will probably do a whole other episode once Tom makes a decision on where he will play next year because I'm making a prediction that he will play. Period. Ah, <laughs> if you're not on TikTok, you're not going to get that reference, but it's okay. It's not that funny anyway. So I want to talk about award season. First of all, did you watch the Golden Globes? Because if you didn't, you are missing out on the most fun, uh, like red carpet interviewer I have ever experienced in my life. Amelia de Moldenberg is so funny. She, she literally has so much chemistry with everyone she's chatting with. She's just super cool. She's, uh, of course, from the UK. It was her first Golden Globes. If she was nervous, nobody knew. Um, and she has this great show called Chicken Shop Date, which you can watch online. And I will link you to Amelia de Moldenberg on my Twitter account so you guys can find out more about her if you don't know about her. I am obsessed with Amelia de Moldenberg. And I'd love to have her on the show, actually, because I think we'd have a blast because we have very similar sort of personalities and ways of kind of conducting herself. But she was such a phenomenal interviewer on that Golden Globes red carpet. I think I had more fun watching her than the actual show for a number of reasons. Let's get into it. It's award season. So the first one up was the Golden Globes. I literally sat through that whole show to watch Andrew Garfield and Paul Dano lose the Globes. Like, how does this happen? So of course at the Globes, um, so Andrew Garfield lost to Evan Peters, who couldn't even really give a proper speech because of all the hate he's getting for portraying Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, first of all, why are we being mad at an actor for being so good at his job? All these people are criticizing him for taking on the role because the families of the victims weren't consulted and whatnot. And I think that it's ridiculous and irresponsible to to like jump to these conclusions and make all these comments about him as an actor because what if we suddenly let actors critique for example somebody who works at Starbucks I know how many times I've been to Starbucks and had my own drinks screwed up and I didn't go online and call out this particular barista for not being able to make something that I would consider very simple and easy to make so I don't think anybody who, let's say, works at Starbucks has the right to get on the internet and critique an actor who delivered a technically 
brilliant and sound performance. Does that mean that I wouldn't have preferred to see Andrew Garfield win it? No, absolutely not. Because I thought his performance was better. But that's a personal thing. And I think everyone who's nominated certainly deserves to win. Well, to a point. And I'll get into that in a minute. Watching Andrew lose at the Globes pissed me off. And then watching Paul Dano lose also just really upset me because I don't know if you guys are familiar with his work, but he's such a brilliant actor. I think he could have won an Oscar for his performance as the Riddler in The Batman. Like, I love Ben Affleck, but I don't think that his performance, and I think he's brilliant as as Batman slash Bruce Wayne. I don't think that performance was Oscar worthy, but I do think Paul was brilliant in that film. And he's twice, 10, 10 times as good in The Fablemans, which is a beautiful film, which, you know, won, I think, Best Picture at the Globes, which was great. I was really happy for uh, Steven Spielberg and, of course, the entire cast, but specifically Paul Dano for reasons I'm not going to get into right now. And then, of course, we move on to Critics' Choice, which was a lot of fun to watch. But uh, again, Paul Dano loses. And again, Andrew Garfield loses, which is particularly upsetting to me because Andrew Garfield lost to Harry Potter. Oh, I mean, Daniel Radcliffe uh, for Weird Al. And I didn't think Weird Al was that good. I didn't think Weird Al was good at all, to be honest. I thought it was pretty terrible. And maybe that's because I'm not really familiar with the whole story of Weird Al, but I just did not enjoy it. I thought it was just lackluster and kind of boring. But again, that doesn't mean it wasn't good to a lot of other people. But I did watch um, Andrew Garfield in Under the Banner of Heaven. And I do not understand how anybody could think that 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 performance in Weird Al was better than Under the Banner of Heaven, which I think took an emotional toll on Andrew. It certainly took an emotional toll on me watching it. So that upset me. And then the SAG Awards nominations came out. Paul was nominated, for which I am grateful because he deserves it. Andrew was snubbed. And that's just not cool. Like, I don't know who's voting for the, of course I know, the Screen Actors Guild. And it kind of makes me wonder if us actors even know the quality of what we're watching anymore when you're not nominating who, as far as I'm concerned, delivered the best performance this year. I'm not saying that everything Andrew Garfield does is award worthy. I think he's a consistently great actor, but that doesn't mean everything he does is award worthy. Um, but I think it deserved at the very least to be nominated. Like Eddie Redmayne has been nominated for all the awards for the good nurse. And I think that that's absolutely deserved. He's such a talented actor. Like it's disgusting, but yeah, he's such a talented actor brilliant to watch. And he's, you know, he's been nominated for everything so far, but he hasn't won anything so far and is very unlikely to win, but it is an honor just to be nominated. So I am very happy for Eddie Redmayne. Speaking of Eddie, I'm going to just veer off topic here for a minute. The cast recording for Cabaret um, in the in the West End where he played MC has just been released and it's insanely good, insanely good. I knew that Eddie could sing, of course, because he played uh, Marius Pontmercy in Les Miserables. But in Cabaret, he doesn't just sing. He sings, honey. Like, it's so good. So if you haven't already, I'd love for you to take a moment and check out 
the cast recording of Cabaret with Eddie Redmayne because everything he sings is so good. You'd almost think he was like someone who deserves to win like a Grammy or a Tony at the very least because he's incredible. And he did win the Olivier Award for that, which is like the British equivalent of the Tonys. So yeah, Eddie Redmayne, I hope he does Broadway again soon because wow. So far for me, the highlight of award season has been Jennifer Coolidge. I love Jennifer Coolidge. I've always loved Jennifer Coolidge. She's so great. Like I'm obsessed with her. When I grow up, I want to be her. I am dying to play her daughter in a film. Like I'm obsessed with her and her award speeches are so funny. She doesn't take herself too seriously. And I love that. But what I love the most is listening to her literally praise other people um, for her own performances and also telling people that it's never too late. And you can always do, you can always be the person that you've always wanted to be at any age if you just keep going. I think that's a message that so many of us need to hear because especially us artists, it's so easy to quit. But imagine quitting a day, a month, a week, or even a year too soon because you're not seeing the results you want uh, in real time. Those results will come. And this is something that I even struggle with. I want to be, you know, an award-winning actress, but I haven't earned that yet. I will someday, but I haven't earned that yet. And watching Jennifer Coolidge, it's just like this beautiful metamorphosis of somebody who has been a consistently good actress become a great actress. She's brilliant in The White Lotus, even though she's been killed off. She's just brilliant, period. And I'm so glad to see her finally getting her flowers. And I feel like these award wins are definitely going to um, to bring her like more high quality, better work, if that makes any sense. Like we may see her in the next few years as an Oscar nominee, which I think would be well-deserved and beautiful. And I'm just so proud of Jennifer Coolidge. I'm so excited for Jennifer Coolidge. And I'm going to do everything in my power to get Jennifer Coolidge on this freaking show. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I haven't known how I was going to do a lot of things. And then I did them. So I don't know when, I don't know how, but I'm going to get her on this show. And that's a promise. It may take a year. I don't know, but I'm going to get Jennifer Coolidge on this freaking show. If it's the last thing I do, <laughs> hopefully it won't be the last thing I do because that'll be really depressing considering I think that I am going to have a Jennifer Coolidge type career trajectory and I'm so here for it. <laughs> okay. So moving on, Austin Butler has been nominated for everything and I didn't enjoy Elvis for a number of reasons. I think the movie certainly celebrates Elvis and everything that he, you know, he did with his career. But the thing is, is watching it till the end and then hearing Austin Butler as Elvis quote Marlon Brando from a totally freaking different movie, which is called The Fugitive Kind. It's a direct rip from The Fugitive Kind. And I hated it for that reason. When I heard that line, I was done with the movie. I was like, this is done. I don't like it. I'm not going to say that I don't think Austin put in a solid performance. I think he did. But I don't think it was that good. And I know I'm in the minority and I know somebody's going to tell me to go, you know, um, F myself for saying this. But I don't really understand the hype around Elvis. I think that it's because it's a biopic about Elvis that that it's done so well. 
And if you listen, I know this has been talked about, but if you listen to Austin talk, like even four years ago, he he didn't talk like like how he speaks now. He speaks like Elvis, which is very annoying. And I think he maybe stuck with the voice. Maybe he just played it too well. Like too, too, he went too hard with that because, for example, Andrew Garfield is a British actor. And when he appears in, in sh- most of his films, he appears as American and he speaks as American. But when he's done with that film and you hear him in an interview or something, he speaks in his normal accent which is a british accent which is interesting considering he was born in los angeles but raised of course in the uk austin butler just went from one extreme to the next and his voice never changed after he played a character to the point where i hear people say they think that elvis possessed his body and i think for the love of god this might be the dumbest theory i've ever heard but it is what it is he sounds weird he looks great and I wish him the very best, but I'd love to move on from Elvis. I just didn't like it. And I know, again, that I'm in the minority of people who didn't like it. it to me, it's just, I just, it's too much of a stretch. I just really didn't enjoy it in any capacity. But I know, um, so, you know, tomorrow, Oscar nominations are going to be announced. I know Austin Butler will be nominated for an Oscar. I don't think he should win. While we're on the topic of Austin Butler and Elvis, um, I just want to say rest in peace to Lisa Marie Presley. She was beautiful. She was talented and she was smart and she struggled a lot in her life. But I think she had so much more to be proud of, including putting so much of herself into the Elvis film. Um, So I was very sad to hear that she passed away. And I hope she is resting peacefully, you know, with her father and I wish her her children and family the absolute best. So yeah, but I'm gonna go back to Oscars because we don't want to talk about about this sadness for too long. So I expect Austin Butler to be nominated. Here's the thing. He's likely to be nominated in the same category as Aldano and Bill Nye. And no, I think Paul is is in supporting actor. Either way, Paul or no Paul in the equation, if it was up to me, I would give the Best Actor Award to Bill Nye because, not the science guy, by the way, he's a first-time nominee. He's up there in age, and he's absolutely brilliant, and this is absolutely overdue. While he and Austin would both be first-time nominees, Austin has plenty of time to be nominated again and again. Whereas for Bill Nye, I think time is kind of running out because of the age being up there and we don't know what his next film will be. So I'm rooting for Bill Nye to be nominated for Best Actor um, Academy Award. And I'm I'm not not rooting for Austin Butler, but I don't think he should win. I, I won't root against anybody who's an artist because I know how hard it is to be one, how special and how hard it is to be one. So I'm not making any predictions here. This is just me, what I wish for. And I wish for Bill Nye to win. And I also wish for Paul to win. But I think he'll lose it to Hugh Lee Kwan. And that's also, again, this is so difficult because it's so well-deserved. And it's been a long time coming. So 
either way, I think it's kind of a win-win because again, it's, it's an honor just to be nominated. And on that note, uh, we'll talk about those two specific movies, The Fablemans and Everything Everywhere All at Once. I think The Fablemans could trump Everything Everywhere All at Once as Best Picture. I think I expect them both to be nominated for everything that they qualify to be nominated for. So there's plenty of love to go around. Again, it's an honor just to be nominated. And I think both of these films were really brilliant, really well made. Michelle Kwan is an absolute friggin' smoke show of an actress. She's beautiful. She's talented. She's really got it all. And I'm really proud of everything that she's done. So I'm rooting for these two films to be nominated for Academy Awards tomorrow. And I'm saddened that Zoe Kazan will not be nominated for She Said. She's been snubbed all through award season, which pisses me off because she's such a brilliant actress. And this film is brilliant. And it took a lot for her to bring this character to life this is a real person that she's playing playing a real person it's not the first time she's done it but um playing a real person is so much harder than playing a character that was either written for you or written for someone else and then went to you because when you when you're given a character it's the character is within the script like you can find the character inside the script but when you're playing a real person a whole other process it has to be undertaken because you're trying to do justice to a person who has lived, you know, a, a, a beautiful life, which is the case uh, with Eddie Redmayne as well in um, the, the Good Nurse. Which, by the way, I'm also shocked that Jessica Chastain is not in contention. Uh, she won last year for playing Tammy Faye, but she's not even a contender this year for her for her role in The Good Nurse, which was such a great film. So yeah, yeah, now I can I can confirm it. Paul will be nominated in the best supporting character actor category because he's in the same category as Eddie and has been all season and I know Eddie is the best supporting actor. So I don't expect either of them to win. I it's going to be Healy Kwan and again happy happy for for him. Again, these are not predictions. These it's just what I think. <laughs> if I was doing predictions, I would go through like every category one by one and say what I thought. Anyway, back to Zoe. Zoe is one of the most brilliant actresses of our time. And I'm biased a little bit, but she's just so brilliant. And I'm so proud of her. You know, she's a, a, a wonderful actress. She's a mom. She's a wife. She's everything that that kind of contradicts itself because it's so hard to be all of those things at once. And yet she does all of them seamlessly and and brilliantly. And to see her not be nominated for this character has really broken my heart in so many ways because I know she puts so much work into it and it was just kind of written off by all the major academies and guilds, if you will. But as far as I'm concerned, it's probably the best performance by a woman this year. Um, I'm so proud of Zoe. Love Zoe. I can't say this enough. <laughs> So yeah, I'm just sending all the love in the world to Zoe for her brilliant performance and looking forward to her next brilliant performance because all of her performances are brilliant performances. And that's not something that I can say about a lot of people. But again, there are no predictions because that would be a whole other thing that we can, that's something we can dive into between now and March 12th. No official nominations have been announced yet, so I can't even predict who would win because I don't even know if the people that I think should be nominated are going to be nominated. 
And so now I'm going to wait with bated breath until very early tomorrow morning to see who is nominated. And I'll probably hop on Instagram and complain about it. <laughs> I always have something to complain about. You just can't please me. I'm one of those people. <laughs> so that that's a wrap on two of my favorite seasons, which means my next favorite season, summer, uh, it'll be here, you know, soon ish, like, you know, in June, <laughs> like five months in a bit. And then I'll be happy because it's sunshine every day. And I love that. So yeah, that's a wrap on all three of my favorite seasons because I have nothing to say about summer from now until we get there except that I really need to get to work on my summer body. And somebody's going to hear that and say I'm vain, but um, this is something that I've been working on for a long time. So that's a wrap on Melanie and her favorite seasons. I can't believe I just did an episode about my favorite seasons and mostly my favorite actors and everything that I think about football. But maybe, I, maybe everything I think is, uh, maybe everything I think I know is just everything I think. <laughs> Who knows? So thank you so much for tuning in. I absolutely love hanging out with you guys like this and hearing, you know, your opinions on the episodes and hearing your opinions on what I'm talking about. All of that is so appreciated. So if you have something you want to say or you have a guest that you want to request, um, hit me up on Twitter at a blonde who talks, A-B-L-O-N-D-E-W-H-O-T-A-L-K-S. And I will do my best to get your guests on the show because I love talking to people in general and apparently to myself. <laughs> um, I have to give a shout out to my sponsors first and foremost, my favorite sponsor, the TB12 method, which is not actually a sponsor, but that I mention every week. So they might as well be, they don't, pay, they might as well be, they don't pay me, but, um, but, but yeah, <laughs> I love the TB12 method so much that I'm going to shout it out every week that I do a podcast and encourage you guys to check it out. So now let me thank my official sponsors. First of all, um, Michael Solberg Family Wines. They have delicious wines at an affordable price. Um, you can check them out on Instagram or on their official website, Michael Solberg Family Wines. And that is M-I-C-H-A-E-L Solberg. S-U-L-B-E-R-G, and then Family Wines. Hopefully you know how to spell. Second, there's Huxware, which is the camel toe eliminating moisture wicking underwear, which is only for women. If you didn't get that from me saying camel toe eliminating, you can check them out on Instagram at H-U-X-W-E-A-R. Uh, Hux is a company that's actually run by a friend of mine, Jen Grovier, who is a brilliant inventor of things and somebody who's all about following your dreams and whatnot. She followed her dreams and now she's super successful and that's exciting. So check them out. Definitely affordable and definitely a really great product, which I actually wear. And now, you know, what kind of underwear I'm wearing? <laughs> Nobody needed to know that, but I just doubted myself. And last but not least, Eatable Inc., which you can check out at Eatable Inc. E-A-T-A-B-L-E-I-N-C. And what that is, is um, it's an alcohol infused popcorn, which is absolutely delicious. It comes in a wide variety of flavors like whiskey, champagne, rosé, sangria, which is one of my favorites, um, poppy seeds, or I can't even name them all because there's so many. Oh, tequila. So good. 
love the tequila one as well. My favorite is a is one called Sweet Cheeses that has not come out yet for the for the masses. And it's so good. I'm actually out of stock. I ran out, but it's so good. So I want to encourage you to check them out and do some shopping, especially at this time of the year for Valentine's Day. It's really hard to shop for men and Eatable has a flavor for pretty much everyone. Um, so head over to Eatable Inc. on Instagram and then click the link in their bio and go buy your booze and popcorn. And it's also a great gift for women because who doesn't love to pop the champagne, which is the pop, the champagne flavor's name. God, I'm so cheesy. That's probably why my favorite flavor is sweet cheeses. <laughs> oh, wow. Also have to say hi, Bobby, to my most loyal fan and friend of too many years who will blow up my phone if I don't say hi to him because he's weird. Hi, Bobby. I love you and I miss you. Okay. This is the biggest shout out I've ever gotten on my show. Now don't blow up my phone. Thank you. <laughs> so thank you all again for tuning in. Thank you for faithfully tuning in. I really do appreciate it. We started trending for the first time with Tim B. Murphy um, in Ireland, which was very exciting. We have now trended or charted rather for, for the first time in 14 countries, which is mind-blowing considering I started this podcast two years ago on an absolutely horrible microphone with no audience from my bedroom and never really expected it would take off or a massive following of any kind. And it has. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. I expect to bring you a guest next episode. It's literally in the works. It's just a matter of scheduling. People are busy. So it's I got to fit them into my schedule. They have to fit me into their schedule. It's a guest I'm excited about. But if she's, whoops, that was a clue. I shouldn't give you a clue. If they are not available for this week, for next week, rather, I'll be back by myself. I'm sure I'll have a lot to say about those, you know, NFL um, division finals <laughs> and that you'll get to listen to. And I might bring my mom back. It's been a while since she's been on the show. So we'll see. Uh, just make sure you tune in so you can find out what I'm talking about and who I'm talking to. And that's pretty much all I have to say. Once again, I thank you all so much for tuning in to this crazy little show. I absolutely adore every single one of you. And in case you were wondering what it's like to cheer for Tom Brady all the time when so many people hate the man, um, it's exhausting. Always rooting for the antihero. <laughs> Have a wonderful day, week, month, year, life, depending on whether or not you plan on checking this out again. And uh, I'm going to play you out a little bit with a little bit of Taylor Swift, who I'm freaking obsessed with right now. Bye. I'll stare directly at the sun, but never in the mirror. It must be exhausting, always rooting for the antihero.